Well, glory to God. I'm very thankful for this day because um, this is an opportunity to talk more about conflict and agreement. Before we studied conflict and agreement, and conflict and agreement had a lot to do about the choices that we were making in life and how that life brings us opportunity. And those opportunities is given to us so we may do something with it. And so long story short, let's get right to the word. Everything in this world and in life is governed by the engagement of conflict and agreement. So we need conflict to happen. We need uh, agreement to happen to live our lives. Things are going to be negative in our life. We're going to see a lot of negatives. We're going to see some positives. And through these negatives and positives, we make decisions. We, we live our lives through these conflicts and through these agreements, meaning nothing in life or in this world has been created that has been created by God um, um, has only been developed by the process of positives and negatives known to us as conflict and agreement. So we can conclude that conflict and agreement will happen. It has to happen. No matter what transpires in life from someone being born into this world to someone actually dying, someone's going to be agreeing agreeing in it or they're going to be disagreeing in it. There's going to be some type of sadness. There's going to be some type of happiness. There's going to be some type of disappointment. There's going to be some victories. There's going to be some things happening. And through the conflict and agreement, we are learning and we're developing into the people that we're called to be in this life. We know it is extremely difficult for a large number of people to agree about anything, mostly because people in general have their own beliefs and their opinions about things. And even more so, people know that they have a freedom of choice to choose what they want to support or what they do not want to support. That freedom is given to them. Well, we have to understand that freedom is given to us by God. God, who has given us all the option to choose. And it is through our choices that determine the type of people we are in God or outside of him or outside of our God. Looking at man who has been given the power to choose, we have been given the power to choose what is good or bad for us. To do things that are good, good or bad for us. Or who is in our life that is good or bad for us. When we discuss conflict and agreement, we talked about being unequally yoked with the unbeliever. Or being equally yoked with a believer or unbeliever. Our agreement with them, our attachment with them, how we live our lives with them. It was all about being yoked together, being in agreement or disagreement. Or better yet, are we in agreement with the things of God or are we in the disagreement with the things of God? The freedom of choice, and I want you to listen to this. The freedom of choice is a power. It is a power given to man and women by God that is a undiscovered, unrealized, 
an unutilized freedom that allows men and women to obtain the greatest opportunities in life and in afterlife and to fulfill and to receive man's purpose in life and guess what? Your inheritance in Christ. However, we must remember this, that God has also has a way of weeding out good men from bad ones and from those he chooses of who is his and whose is he is not. And this mostly is determined by what we choose as people, as men and women today, by what we do and how we live our lives. So let's talk about that. I mean, I think the best example for understanding how to choose things is to recognize who God put in, in place to be an example for us. And that greatest example is Jesus. That greatest that example is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus of Nazareth. Let's look at Jesus swag. Let's see what he has to show us. Let's see how our swag in life compares to Jesus swag. So what I want you to do is turn to Mark, the eighth chapter. Mark, one of God's disciples who followed after Christ, who took dictation and took notes to follow the examples of Christ. He has things to share with us in Mark eight. And reading at the 34th verse from the Christian Standard Bible, because we, we appreciate the Christian Standard Bible. It says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Let's, let's stop right there. We need to look at that. He says, if anyone wants to follow, to follow, you can't follow someone unless you what? You are in agreement with someone. And most people who are following someone who's not in agreement is in an opposite or in the contrast of that. They're in disagreement. They're following to see what they going to do, either in agreement or disagreement. But in this passage, Jesus is saying and admonishing his people to be in agreement with him. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, meaning it's not about you anymore. It's about me. Your, your design and the way you do things is not about you. It's about me. You're going to take on uh, take off your swag and put on my swag. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. See, see, God gives instructions right here. Please listen. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me, because you took on me, because you're following me and the gospel. The Bible says will save it. You will save your life. There is benefits to following Christ. Yes, there is a cross to be to be carried. 
And yes, there is a lifestyle to be changed. There's a lifestyle to take after. But guess what? There is benefits to it. And it's worth it. Let's read on. It says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? To gain the whole world, yet lose his soul. See, man, today, they're chasing down social media. They're chasing down the things of man. They're chasing down the things of this world because that's what looks good. That is what is acceptable. That is what is appropriate. And the things in this world gives you status. It gives you purpose. It gives you an identity. But the identity Jesus Christ is telling us even today, this doesn't matter the fact that he came a, a, a thousand years ago to redeem man back to God. This has to do with this same design that working today that Jesus say, I, my swag is just as good today as it was back then. He says, you will lose your life trying to save it, following after the things of this world, but you will benefit from from taking on my swag, taking on my life. You can lose your life, but it reads on, it says, but what can anyone give in exchange for his life? I want you to hear this because he says it in one line. If this is a one, one line statement, and if you're not paying attention to what he's saying, you will not understand the value he has on you. He says, what can anyone give in exchange for his life? Can you give your car for your life? Is your life more important than your car? Is your life more important than your house? Is your life more important than your friends? Is your life more important than your job? Is your life more important than, than, than uh, turning to the things of this world than from the things of God? Can, what can man exchange for his life? He's basically saying there is nothing. You're more valuable than anything in this world. Even if you could give all, the, all those things, even if you could give a hundred lives, your life is more important than a hundred lives. That's how much I value you. Your life is that important to me. So when people are having these suicide ideations and they're committing suicide, they don't realize how important and how valuable their life is to our creator who has created us. It is like slapping him in the face saying, you made a mistake. You didn't know what you were doing. You was using stupidity when you created me. It made no sense. But God's saying, you are valuable to me. I love you. Why do you think I gave my life for you? I am the son of the living God. I'm the one who created you and I gave my life for you. If you only knew how valuable you are. You are valuable to me. What can you give for an exchange of your life? Nothing. Nothing. And it reads on. For whoever is ashamed of me 
and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Look, he's talking about right now. He said that then, but he's talking about right now. This world is adulterous. They're, they're running away from God. They, they, they have separated themselves. They are connected to him, but they ran away. They went away from him. They strayed away. They're taking on new lovers. They're taking on new ideals and ide ideologies and new philosophies over the things of God. They have separated themselves. He says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man, who are we talking about? Jesus will also be ashamed of him. When he comes in the glory of his father and with his holy angels. See, he's not talking about once you get to heaven. He's talking about when I come back, when God gives me permission, when the father gives me the permission to come back and rescue his people and separate the wheat from the tear. From those who love me and those who do not love me, who those who was ashamed of me and those who who was confident in me, who believed in me. He says, when I come in the clouds with my angels, I will be ashamed of you because you were ashamed of me. Let's read on. We're going to talk more about Jesus swag. Jesus swag is not like an orthodox Christian that we think we're supposed to be in this world. We think that we're supposed to be judgmental. We're supposed to be calling out sin and then, you know, being critical of each other and hating each other and dishonest towards each other and not loving each other. Jesus' swag is a little bit different and his expectations for us as believers is a little bit higher. The standard that we're walking in is beneath him. But God is asking and admonishing us to rise to his standard. To the standard that he has for our lives. Let's read. I want you to turn now to John. St. John. John the Baptist. St. John. Not John 1. It's John. John the 8th chapter. John the 8th chapter. And we're going to begin... Right about verse two. And we're going to talk about a story that you guys all know and are very familiar with. But we're going to talk about it. And this time, instead of just talking about it, we're going to go through. And I want you to see how even Jesus, Jesus was accused. Jesus had to face conflict. Jesus had to to form his agreement and his alliance with his father in heaven because people did not agree with him. They did not understand his methods for the things he, do, he did and the way and his practices because his standards was above him. His standards was aligned to his father. His agreement was above him. It wasn't aligned with these men. These men of today, the standards of the world today. So they could not comprehend why he did things. So let's read about how Jesus swag was back then in John, the eighth chapter, reading at verse two. At dawn, 
he went to the temple. Jesus was at the church. He was at the church house. And again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and he began to teach them. He began to teach the word to them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Now, I want you to understand something. The word of God is going forth. He's ministering the word of God. But these dishonoring these Pharisees and scribes, not believing in the way he does things, dishonored the temple and the fact that he was teaching at the moment and decide they're just going to abruptly disrupt the teaching that Jesus was teaching the people by finding a reason to take an accusation against him through conflict. Now, I want you to read this. He says, then scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the very center. So not only was Jesus being put, put in a position of conflict, this woman caught in adultery was put in a position of conflict. They put her in the center of them. And guess what? If they're in the center, then that means the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the temple and Jesus and everyone was surrounding her. She felt isolated. She felt discriminated against. She was being pointed out. And it was almost like a game situation ready to jump her. But it wasn't to life. It was to death. We, 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 we want to read on. And it says, teacher, they said to him. This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And I don't want to go into details of how did, how did they find that out. But they caught her in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. You mean these Pharisees and these scribes, these devout men of God came to Jesus with murder and intent in their heart? They came there with murder and intentions to kill this woman in the church house? What gall? What disrespect? What do you say, they said? They told Jesus, they called Jesus out. What do you say about this? Let's read on verse 6. It says, they asked this to trap him. Trap who? Jesus. They asked this to trap him through conflict. To accuse him. Not just accuse this adulterous uh, 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 woman, but they wanted to accuse Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. They had intentions of killing Jesus as well. This wasn't just about the adulterous woman. And it says here, in order that they may have evidence to accuse him, Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground. Whoo, boy, I tell you, I, I wish I knew what he was writing about. But what's so interesting about this, the fact that the son of the living God, when he begins to write, Believe me, if he was writing, they didn't say he was drawing on the ground. He wasn't, you know, creating art and trying to ignore them. He began to write 
listen to that. He began to write on the ground. Now we're listening to the word. We're reading the word. We have the word in front of these are writings. So what could the son of the living God be writing at this time? I believe, and this is my opinion, I believe whatever he was writing it was for them to see. He wanted them to get from out of their cells, get out of that moment that they were in and pay attention to his writing. What he was writing on the ground, he was trying to get their attention. He wasn't ignoring them. He was trying to get their attention. And it says here, he, Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning because they, was, they were ignoring the son of the living God, he stood up and said to them. Now, Jesus, who, who was on the ground, if he decides to, 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 to go on the ground, it was for intention. Now, if he decides to stand up, it's because he wants their attention. And he says to them, since, and I'm reading, I'm, I'm going to read between the lines. Since you're not paying too, attention to what I have wrote on the ground, let me say it to your face. Let me say it to your face since you're not paying attention to what I wrote it on the ground. Let me stand up here and take a moment and tell you, since you don't want to pay attention to me, let me tell you what I have to say. The one without sin among you talking to the Pharisees and scribes should be the first to throw a stone at her. Do you hear what he said? That means in order to kill this woman, you have to be sinless. You don't have no sin. You can't be, you can't, you can't throw us, throw a stone at someone to kill them unless you're the son of the living God. You got to be without sin. You got to be holy from the time you were born until the time of right in that moment because you're not worthy of killing someone. You're not the son of the living God. So what makes you think you can stand in the place of God? And it says here. Let's read on. Then he stooped down again. Jesus stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, I want you to pay attention. When, I want you to hear this. Verse 9, when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Now, check this out. I, I, I want you to see this. This is so huge. This is so powerful what just happened because this confirms the, the, this message that we're speaking about conflict and agreement. And through conflict and agreement, we can make decisions. We can choose our way. We can find a better, a better path, a better solution. And this is what God wants us to do as men and God. He wants us to judge ourselves. He wants us to look within our heart and see where we are going wrong. So I have to commend these Pharisees right here and these, and these scribes. I have to commend them in this one moment because in this moment, 
instead of letting sin overtake them and their way and their philosophies and their beliefs, they rose to the standard of God and from the very oldest men and the oldest men, meaning that the oldest men who supposed to have been studying the word, being in God, understanding the scriptures, being the ones who live out this life to believers, they was the first to leave. So the young men that were there had no choice. If these older men ain't where they supposed to be, how can we say we're supposed where, where, where we were supposed to be? So the younger men also left after that. So I want you to understand something. Only he was left. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Who? Only Jesus was left. Meaning. I am the judge. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. If any man cometh unto me, he must deny himself and follow what? Him. It's his way. It's not our way. And so it says right here, it was only him left with the woman in the center. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Mm -hmm. So Jesus did not only just rescue his life. He was rescuing this woman's life at the time. He's sitting here saving a soul, a life in front of, at the church house. Here's, here's, here's him preaching the word in the temple. That would cause everyone to get saved. My God, my God. I'm getting excited. So it says, has no one condemned you? And she responds, no one, Lord. She answered, no one, no one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Now, this is it. This is the point I want to make. This is the standard. This is Jesus swag. You want to know who Jesus is? This is Jesus. That's his style. If God had it his way, he would have destroyed us in the flood. He would destroy all, all things, all creation. But he saved life to give us another chance. And because that didn't work, he sent his son Jesus and he allowed him to take full power. And this is the way he do things. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go. Now, this is, the, this is the standard. Go. And from now on, do not sin anymore. See, God will forgive you of your sins. But when he forgives you, he don't want you to sin no more. He wants you to follow after him. He wants you to choose his way. He wants you to deny yourself from now on. I want you to take on, my, take on, take on your cross because in, on the cross that I have, the cross that I bear, people are going to judge me. People are not going to believe my philosophies. They're not going to understand the way I do things. And because you're taking up on that cross, my cross, they're going to do the exact same thing to you. They're going to treat you the same way. They're going to deny you. They're not going to believe you. They're not going to understand you. 
But this is the higher way. This is the standard that I walk in. So yes, is it okay to forgive your brother? Yes, it is. Is it okay in the midst of a situation that you don't understand to choose what is right than choose what is wrong? Absolutely. Should you pardon your brother's sin, your sister's sin? Absolutely. Is it okay to lose bitterness? Is it okay to lose anger? Is it okay to choose a different way? Jesus is saying, yes, that's my way. That's my higher standard. That's the love that I'm talking about. That's the way I'm trying to teach you. That's the way I want you to understand. So you may develop into the sons and the daughters of the most high. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say yes, Lord. Lord. Say "Yes, yes, I agree, Jesus. All right. All right. Let's look at this. Verse 12. We got to go on a little bit more. What I I love about this is that Jesus caught them again. In verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them again. And it says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, when you're following his way, it's nothing dark in that. There's no shame in that. There's no disappointment in that. There's nothing to be discouraged about. There's no reason to be frustrated. There's no reason to be fearful. God is saying you will have the light and that light is of me. So the Pharisees in verse 13 said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Your testimony is not valid. So here they go denying him. They couldn't catch him one way. They try to deny him again. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true. And I already taught you that. Why is it true? Because his standard is not Jesus' standard. He's following the standard of his father. He's following the will of his father. So the reason why they could not understand it, because he was abiding and submitting to a will that was higher than him. And it says, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Here's the Jesus Christ saying he judged no one. But we thought Jesus is the judge. But let's understand something. The only time he's going to remain the judge He's going to be a judge in our life right now. And this is the hugest part about conflict and agreement. I want you to catch this part. The only way Jesus is going to be the judge in our life is two areas. You die in sin. Or he comes back in, uh, in the clouds and he comes back with, with his angels and all power in his hand. Then he shall be the judge. Only then is he a judge because the opportunity 
to choose what was right from wrong was given to you. He showed you the example. He showed you the way. What does that mean? That means the sinful nature that you have, he wants you to deny it. He wants you to change. Now, the world is not going to agree with you. They're going to say, no, you was an adulterer. You have no right to preach God's word. You have no right to turn away and be saved. You was, you was a murderer. You have no right to forgive sin, begin to walk after things and, and do what's right. They're going to tell you, you, who are you? You're not of God. I know who you were. Well, Jesus came to save. He came to save the ones that were lost. His way and his standard was higher than this world standard. These men were judging by human standards. They were not judging by the higher standard. Let's read on. Let's read on. And it says, my testimony is true because you, because I know where I came from and from where I am going. But you don't know where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not only it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. For even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. That's Jesus saying, yeah, huh? that two witnesses, me and my father. So, so when you die in your sin, it's me and my father. When I come back in the clouds, it's me and my father. You want to know who's going to judge you? Me and my father. Right? He says, as long as you have life in your body, Long as you have way, you have a right to choose what's right. You can turn from your evil way. You can move on to a better way because I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you mercy. And that is love. When you're receiving that mercy, when you're receiving that grace, like he gave a bestowed on this adulterous woman, he says, I'm giving you love because I love you that much. It's not that you deserve it. It's because I want to please my father in heaven because all souls belongs to him. Reading in verse 18, I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Then they ask him, where is your father? And he says, responds, and we're just about done. You neither you know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. So not only was he spreading the good news, he was doing it in the church house. He exposed the devil in the church while he was trying to perform a work of accusations, while he was trying to perform a work of death and murder and, and, and accusing him and accusing this woman. Jesus exposed the devil to the higher standard that his, of, his, of his father, not man's standard. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Now, we're going we're gonna to be done, but I just want to end with this. We have to choose. 
We have to choose. God has given you power. That freedom, that power is to choose what's right. Meaning that before you leave this world, you want to see the purpose of God? You want to see the blessings of God? Turn to him. Take on his cross. Turn to his way. Do what he's called you to do. Take on his swag and you will be blessed. This woman was able to live with her life and do something different. This woman was able to make a change and become something better. It doesn't mean you may not get punished by, by the world standard, but God will choose you as honorable. He will stamp his approval of honorable when you see him face to face. It ain't gonna be ma- it ain't, it's not going to matter what the world say. It ain't going to matter what your mother say. It ain't going to matter what your brothers say. It ain't going to matter. It's not going to matter what your wife say. It's not going to matter what your husband say. It ain't going to matter what the world say. It's about what he thinks of you. His stamp of, of approval. Jesus has given us that stamp right now. And that stamp is the power to choose through conflict. And agreement. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this opportunity. We know that this word will continue because you have more for us to learn about through conflict and agreement. So, God, I ask you now that you help us, empower us to believe, to turn from our ways that we've been practicing that are wrong and take upon your yoke for your yoke is easy and your burden is light because it is true and the ways of this world that has been given to us that has been propagated to us that has been uh, 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 designed for us leads to death forgive us now of all sin and we ask these things believing in you In Jesus' name, amen.